This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday War Games episode 20. Joining me as always is my friend and co-host Liam Liam. Am I more your friend or your co-host? Uh, well, which would you prefer? Would you prefer a transactional relationship in which you are a co-host or an actual authentic organic relationship in which you are a friend? Well, I've known you more like I've known you longer than we've been doing the podcast, so I guess technically we're friends. What if my entire friendship with you was simply to get you to host the podcast with me in which the entire thing has been transactional? I do have a few of those relationships planned out too. No, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, it's probably you. I would lo- I like the idea of having future podcast host relationships. <laughs> I mean, I kind I I don't really have that kind of relationship. I have people marked out to replace you when you die eventually. Cuz I will outlive you. You are younger than me, that is true. As everyone in the Discord apparently worked out. <laughs> yes, the people in the Discord are very upset that you were a young person. But I took it somewhat as a compliment. I was like, oh, I don't sound like a huge baby boy. Oh, yeah. You you, you have the old head on you, is it, Liam? <laughs> yes. I I am an old head. The oldest of heads. The old Sp- head of Kinsale, some might say. I have been qu- quite the old head today, in fact. Ooh, what did you do? I have been watching 70s Australian WCW. <laughs> uh, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, there was, Australia was the original WCW, right? And then WCW took the WCW name. Mm-hmm. Was it World Championship Wrestling? It was World Championship Wrestling. Whoa. <laughs> and um, they brought in some very interesting characters in the 70s and 80s, I've learned. Was there any actual, like, international stars or all just weird-ass locals? Uh, no, like, they brought in heaps of international stars. Um, I'm currently in the search in, in search of a Dusty Rhodes-Dick Murdoch tag match. <laughs> From his one tour that he did of Australia. Against who? Um, it was against Mario Milano and Mark Lewis. Big Australian legends. Um, Mario Milano is probably the biggest Australian name ever. The original Adam Brooks. The the OG Adam Brooks. I was actually of talking course. the other day about how um, Buddy Murphy is probably the biggest star in Australian history now. <laughs> um, Tennille? Mm, I'm... I mean, Buddy actually won titles. Tenille has lots of followers, though. Tenille's very famous. Mm, you know, that is a good point. She was on Total Divas, at least in a cameo mm. role. I don't know if she had a real role. So, like, I'd imagine more more people care about Tenille, probably. Uh, more wrestling fans probably care about Buddy now. Listen, have you looked at Tenille's Instagram? I have not. Have you? So... Uh, only in a professional capacity, of course. Ah, but um, <laughs> uh, other than other than that dusty match, there's been a, quite a variety of names. I found out that Giant Barber worked two matches, as one does. I assume like it's not a terrible thing to get people in from Japan. Well, uh, apparently, um, I had heard this before, but it was also brought up in the Slack that um, people used to take like the Australian bookings and uh, Japan bookings and like New Zealand bookings, and they would do it as like their whole paid vacation. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and like, um, so like, I know that Bruiser Brody did a bunch of tours, and then he eventually met his wife over here. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was it? Uh, Abdul the Butcher, Tiger Jeet Singh, and then there was um, 
I watched a Harley race match today. That went so three minutes. Loves Australia. What what happened to the Australian wrestling scene that no one wanted to go there anymore? Well, like apparently, like from what Dave always says, that the Australian wrestling scene was like the most money making scene in the world at its time when it was at its peak. Hmm. But um, cool, because we were on. It was on a major channel, and then much like you know what happened in Japan and in England, from what I know, like once they get off the major channels, stuff just kind of died out. And then you had to wait for the Hulkamania tour to respark the life of Australian wrestling. And that's how we got here today, with Will Ospreay being the number one Australian wrestler in the world. It all goes back to Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in the year 2010. I remember when they did that tour, Hulk Hogan did an interview on 60 Minutes. and on, on, on Australian 60 Minutes. And they asked him, like, is pro wrestling fake? Oh, <laughs> And what what year is that now? Like, I think it was the end of two thousand nine. It's like really two thousand nine, and we're still going. Eh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. At least I don't think you get that anymore. I think we actually have legitimately moved past that. Yeah, well, except for like when people try to dunk on you for liking wrestling, or when uh, somebody calls wrestling fake on Twitter, like that um, that Democratic governor or whatever did ah, yes. and everyone's like it's not fake it's like stop it you don't have to be that defensive <laughs> us screaming about it makes it look worse than it yes. actually just being fake <laughs> just we, we've all moved past this we don't need to shout about it it's like oh you've never taken up you should take a bump then you learn how fake it's like stop it's even worse when wrestlers do it <laughs> yeah like have have a bit of self-respect just hey. be a be the bigger person and be like we're above this now Anyway, speaking of being above this, we're not above talking about these two wrestling shows, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite and WWE NXT. Last week, AEW won, and this week, All Elite Wrestling also wins. So, hey, let's talk about it first. All right, so yeah, just um, close out the podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, that's it. This was, I think, it's easily the best episode of Dynamite. I'm, that's not even a conversation. It Which is, is. funny, because like, that was a discussion point last week of like, oh, this is the best Dynamite. <laughs> now, again, this is the best Dynamite. I don't think I saw last week. I thought last week was a good episode, but I wouldn't be like, whoa, this is like one of the great episodes of TV. It's just like, it's a good episode of TV. Whereas this is one of the great episodes of TV. You really loved this show. You were tweeting like a madman about it. I think, like, nearly everything on this show was the perfect form of what they were trying to do. Like, the worst thing on this show is a perfectly solid Chris Statlander against Shayna match. You know? <laughs> everything else is home runs. Yeah. it's It was everything that we... I remember I got, like, that kind of nostalgic feeling when I used to watch wrestling as a kid and wasn't so cynical. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, everything is good. Everything is fun. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. And if you can bring me back to that, you're doing something well. Before your brain slowly ruined everything and it's like, wait a minute, none of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, before I'm like, wait, that's not as good as everyone said it was. <laughs> You're just sitting there watching Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. And like, I think it's a four and a quarter star match. All these people that say it's a match of the year are wrong. Well, they are wrong. That is, that is the objective fact. But let's get into the show. We started with one of the best battle royals I've seen in a very long time. My problem with battle royals, and this is, I think, across every company for the last, like, 20 years, where anybody that does a battle royal, it's all just, like, we're going to generically brawl and generically brawl, then someone's thrown out, and then we're going to pair off into corners, and we're going to generically brawl for another five minutes, and then somebody else is thrown out. 
And it's never particularly, like the minute to minute action of nearly every Battle Royal for the last 20 years has never been particularly interesting. And this Battle Royal had really good minute to minute action. They actually actually put effort into constructing a match where it's like, hey, maybe stuff should happen and we should have actual standout moments and people should get some shine. The whole like one person being eliminated and not not having both, like the whole team be eliminated thing made it so much better. Mm. Like, because it gave room for these stories of, like, Matt against the world. And eventually Trent against the world until it didn't work. And Matt and Trent hugging. Yes, as the young friends. They are young friends, that is Or best bucks. Milwaukee would have a a, a dispute with that. Are you going to defend the Milwaukee bucks, right? Milwaukee? What was that attempt at me saying that? (laughs) (laughs) Your amazing American accent. This is the voiceover work you can expect from Liam Jones. Please, I'm his agent. Get in touch if you'd like him to do American accents for you. I'll I'll do anything. Anything vocally. Mm. So yeah, this was a really good match. As T-Hawk was thrown out for basically, he did nothing. It was very upsetting. The disrespect to wrestle one. Like, literally, Shima got some shine. Like, Shima got some cool moments and some cool exchanges with uh, Trent in particular. And... Yeah, poor T-Hawk, just thrown out like he's nothing. Also, like, Shima got the great moment of just going, No! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, poor T-Hawk. Do something with T-Hawk, for the love... I know they're on Dark next week. You get a, a Strongheart against... Well, not, uh, the, the Strongheart's team of T-Hawk and Shima against the Dark Order next week. But, like, do something with T-Hawk. What are you doing? This is, like, I... one of the better wrestlers on your roster, and he's doing literally nothing. Yeah, I th- I think maybe T-Hawk is a long-term plan for them. Or maybe just no plan for them. Well, that'd be disappointing, because he's, like, probably in the top ten wrestlers in the company. Uh, so we had Dark Order involvement. As as we noted last week, Dark Order are not in the match. They were at ringside cheering on their buffoons, their nerds, the, the Dork Order, as you mentioned, were yeah. in the match. Poor, like, poor Evil Uno even lost his speaking role in the group now. Yeah, they have the 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 person who was doing the some of the yeah, these are paid by the Dark Order videos. And now apparently talks with them, but like that was Evil Uno's whole role. Now he's just the guy there. <laughs> yeah, he's just the the big guy who's being managed by whoever the Exalted One is. Uh, who could it be? Uh, it's apparently like... Raven. Now is it Raven? <laughs> it's not Raven. It's definitely not Raven. You think Raven is a a, a red herring? It's a particularly well-executed red herring, if he is, just to just put him there, sitting behind them. And not even, they didn't even acknowledge him, I don't think, did they? They acknowledged him on social media. Mm. They said, like, the, the Exalted One is always watching or something. Mm. And the Exalted One is closer than you think, I said. They, I think they said something like, to that extent as well, didn't they? Yeah. I don't think it's Raven. I would be, I would be disappointed if it were Raven. Mm. But, um, well, didn't people pitch down the voice of the Exalted One and, like, find out it was Raven as well? Perhaps, and remember when we, I often, they said, like, what if it's Raven? And you're like, you were into the idea of it being Raven then, so what yeah, happened? Yeah, but for now, in this last week, I've really, like, I really wanted to be Matt Hardy. <laughs> you were into the theory of it being Raven, but not the actuality of it being Raven. Once I was confronted with the truth of it, of it being Raven, I was, I was like, mm. Although, let's be real, he'll cut really good promos for him, so. But, like, what's the end game of that? Like, what's the end game of Raven? Uh, he's a manager for the Dark Order to try and get them over. That, realistically, I think that's what this should be. But, like, is that all it's going to be? Is just this Dark Order is a mid-card tag act? Oh, I would have hoped upper mid-card tag act. 
Okay, but then, <laughs> I don't know, it feels like a lot of build for something that doesn't matter that much. Well, tag titles matter in this company. The Young Bucks said so. They've yet to main event a pay-per-view. Well, uh, speaking of the Young Bucks, pro wrestling logic betrayed me, Liam. I told you. I'd never doubt me, never doubt the Bucks. Listen, I will I will have faith in pro wrestling logic until the end of time, regardless of whether it betrays me. As it consistently has. But yes, despite the fact that um, the Young Bucks were the, the dominant team in the little brawl last week, they did in fact win this match. They will in fact face Hangman Page and Kenny Omega for the AW World Acting Championships at Revolution on February 29th, which is only nine days away at this stage. And yeah, I, yeah the story of this match where Nick Jackson had a big flurry in the middle, but then was dumped out. And then Matt had to fight all by, all, all by himself, and then he was left with the final two, three of... LAX and him by himself with Sammy at ringside and he had to overcome them all and he hit Sammy with the best damn super kick you've ever seen the springboard like it put died. the Sean Mike yeah it put the Sean Michaels Shelton Benjamin one to shame like I remember I was like kind of like jumping out of my seat every time Nick was hitting a strike I was so into that like little flurry and then, and then I was kind of like oh he got dumped out it was Garrett right and then I was like Garrett's never right so that can't <laughs> be it that's entirely fair and yeah, then Matt Jackson overcame the inner circle. He overcame uh, Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara to uh, crown themselves number one contenders. And that should be a damn good pay-per-view match. And we also got a little best friends, Butcher and the Blade thing. They, they had issues. They fought at ringside a little. Jim Ross was like, why would you ever want to be on the floor during a battle royal? It's like, why wouldn't you be? You can't be eliminated. Yeah, I was very confused by that. And then, like, <laughs> I think whoever started him, I don't know if it was Tony or JL, but one of them was like, all right, I've got to think of a reason for why they shouldn't be out here now. Uh, yeah. And, like, a minute later, like, oh, uh, they can't eliminate anyone. <laughs> um, Stupid. Fun also, fact. Also, um, th- oh, there was sorry. a period where Matt Spear, who did Matt Spear through the ropes? I don't even remember. Um, he speared, uh, the butcher, Andy Williams. And actually, my fun fact was about Andy Williams. And yeah, Jim Ross was like, oh, now neither of them are eliminated. It's like, no, butcher is eliminated, but Matt Jackson isn't. Why can't you keep up with this? Anyway, what's your fun fact about Andy Williams? Um, that he is, his band is touring Australia in June. So... I don't expect him to be on Dark or Dynamite around June. What if Dark or Dynamite is in Australia in June? Well, that would be sick. Are you going to go see Andy Williams' band? Do you like Andy Williams' band? um, I haven't heard a lot, but they are an opening act for one of my favourite bands, so I'm considering it. Uh, and I think it's poppy? like a, a little... No, I wish it were Poppy. Um, it's, it's like a little stadium show too, so it'll be interesting. They're with Hatebreed. Okay. And Parkway Drive, who, I'm, who, I, who I have seen and um, really like and are interested in seeing again. So you don't like Hatebreed? Yeah. Take or leave <laughs> Hatebreed. Hatebreed is quite a, a stereotype. I feel like if a sitcom were to come up with like an angry metal band, they'd say, oh, and I have started Hatebreed. Yeah. You're really going to like target the Hatebreed fans out there right now. Yeah, it's a, it's like I was watching Parks and Rec, and you know when Andy has different names for Mouse Rat, and he yes. goes through all the different names for Mouse. Hatebreed would be one of the names Andy Dwyer has that was rejected for Mouse Rat. Hatebreed is one of the like anytime there's a sitcom and there's a character that has their own band, they're like, oh, what are you playing? I play in Hatebreed. Yeah, <laughs> it's poor Hatebreed. They're tearing down Hatebreed <laughs> for no reason. 
Chris Statlander defeated Shayna in a perfectly solid little TV match just to re-establish Statlander after a few weeks off TV and probably set her up for Nyla Rose. Yeah, and I was really happy to see Shayna back because it's been a while. Yeah, or Shayna. Is it Shayna or Shanna? Have they decided? I think, it, actually, I don't think, they I think it's I think it's Shanna. It's still, they change their mind at any given moment. And Britt was good. This was a good Britt week. Yeah, Britt was on commentary. She was inoffensive talking about doctors giving Tony cups of coffee to put his face on them. With his, and the, his his name spelt incorrectly. Yes, I did like Tony spelt with an unnecessary e. Good job, Britt Baker. Statland is good, and I'm glad that she's back in the back in the mix. Hopefully, she wins the title. <laughs> uh, would you take the title off Nyla Rose after two weeks? Yeah, because I don't think Nyla Rose is very good. Yeah, yeah. but the, you still probably shouldn't take the title off the big monster after two weeks. Yeah, I'm booking for my interests and not for the long term interest of the character. <laughs> That makes sense. Speaking of Nyla Rose, she had a particularly strong promo. Like, one of the better promos on this show in a while. I thought it kind of, like, started rocky. But, like, once she started finding the rhythm of it, she, like, she kicked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, she's like, I am the dominant force in this division. I am power. I will snap all of you tiny women in half. And I will hold this belt forever. She said that she breaks bitches. Well, I don't use foul language on our wonderful podcast, Liam. I do, excessively. <laughs> she also said she's the Queen Bee, which a uh, gimmick infringement on Madison Rain. Mm. I was like, where is she going with all this buzzing talk? Like, what's the end game of this line? To steal Madison Rain's nickname, apparently. And then we got Statlander and Big Swole. Hmm. Which I'm I'm happy to see Swole put in that spot. Because I was like watching Dark last week. It's like, Swole's really good. Why is she doing it more on Dynamite? And there she is, doing more on Dynamite. I I kind of wanted... I would rather they have a triple threat than have a 1v1 with either winner. But mm. I think we're going in the 1v1 direction. Yeah, I was about to ask Statlander against Swole as your number one contenders match next week, probably. Yeah, but like you'd think that Brit should be in that too. Well, Brit hasn't really won her way into that though, has she? I guess, but like, isn't she already like top three ranked already? Well, I don't know. She's always kind of hovering around in those top three ranked, even though like she feel it feels like Brit hasn't really won a match in like eight months, even though she nearly certainly has. She probably she probably won like seven on dark, and we just haven't yeah. been paying attention. John Moxley defeated Jeff Cobb in a match that was much better than their G one match. I think it's because like they had a very distinct goal when going out there, and in the G one, it's just like go out have a good G one match. This one, it's like, we have a story here. Yeah, this was very rare. Well, maybe not very rare. But rare, AEW very good commentary, where they're, like, they're constantly saying that they, oh, oh, Cobb can always land all these shots, and Moxley's on the, the defense, because Cobb is coming at him from his blind spot. So every time he throws a forearm toward uh, Mox's uh, weak eye, Mox can't see it coming, and he just gets floored. And it's like, yes, that's the story of this match. And you told that very effectively. Uh, and it, we would be... Uh... We'd be poor if we didn't mention that Chris Jericho came out with a ticket and in the front row no less. I would love the next time someone does the I have a ticket gimmick that they're just like in the middle of the stadium, like in the back bleacher rows. <laughs> well, like Jericho's moved around at least because he had the private box twice and now he's in the front mm. row no less. I'd like, you know, you have to put over your, your company's ticket sales. It's like he tried to get a ticket, but he could only get the nosebleeds. Or like he had to at the start of the show, he has to go to a scalper. Yeah, I think I think Jericho did that once. Remember when Jericho was banned from Raw? I know. 
there was a period where, where Jericho, when he was teaming with Big Show, so he was allowed to be on Raw because they had the one set of tag titles. Mm. And then uh, when they lost the tag titles, he was banned from Raw, so he was doing a whole shtick where he was trying to get into Raw. And I'm pretty sure one of those was trying to buy a ticket off a scalper. And then, so his great music can play. His great tag team music with the Big Show. Mm. Break the walls down. It's the Big Show. Jericho, again, super over. Dude gets, like, monster reaction. And it, it, it's actually, my favourite thing about this show is when his music hits, he gets a huge reaction because he's a gigantic star. But when they jump John Moxley right after he beats Jeff Cobb in a really good match, yeah, the crowd are like, no, that's not right. John Moxley earned that victory and now you're attacking him and it is unfair, so we shall boo you. Mox should really win the belt, huh? Uh, I think, I think so. Like, it really feels like... It feels like they're peaking this story at the perfect time. And that Moxley is on fire, and Jericho's at a damn good title run, and yeah, it feels... It's it's right. I just think... I don't know what you do with Jericho after that. I don't know. Put, put a dude, like, one... Like, do an actual proper, you know, Jungle Boy-level feud where he's doing an extended program with someone like Jungle Boy or somebody Darby. like Darby. I feel Darby's the one to go with, because he's a megastar. <laughs> Mm, yeah, speaking of Darby Allen, after the match, the Inner Circle attacked John Moxley. Dustin Rhodes tried and failed to make the save. Then lights went out, Darby Allen's music hits. Crowd went absolutely apeshit for Darby Allen. Darby runs wild with a skateboard, clears house. Jericho and Mox face off. Jericho runs away. Darby Allen is a. Like, he's. What? 10th from top on this show? Like, you have Cody, Jericho, Moxley, uh, Page, Omega, MJF. Box. The box, so like he's the Lucha Bros are probably ahead of him. He's like uh, tenth, probably tenth on this show in terms of like pecking order, and like he has more momentum and gets better reactions than literally anybody on NXT. <laughs> like when you you sent that tweet out, I was thinking about it. And I was like, because Hangman I think is like the next one up from him really, and I was like. Mm. Man, Hangman, like, other than Cole, is, like, a bigger star than anyone in NXT. <laughs> and again, Hangman is the bottom of that lower tier. Yeah, so I was like, like, he's the lowest of, like, their tier, and he's bigger than, like, anyone else. Like, except, like, Bella. <laughs> like, Bella and Cole, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. That, like, and, like, nobody in, in NXT is on the way up, like Darby is, or like MJF is, or, like, it feels like Jungle Boy is a little. Like, Jungle Boy feels like he has more positive momentum than a ton of people on NXT. And when you when you look at the, the AW roster, which is stacked top to bottom, when you realize that if Darby Allen get a reaction like this is, like, the 10th guy down your card, you're doing pretty okay? There's They have so many people ready in the wings to, like, move up to that next level. Like, mm. they're just waiting for it. Like, they have the Lucha Bros singles runs. They have Darby ready to go. They have Hangman when you want to do a singles thing with him. Like, it's just, they got so many, like, they got their, their fingers in all these little pots. And I'm excited to see what happens. This was, I think, very good use of Jeff Cobb. If we never see him again, I think he served a very functional role on AEW television. Apparently, Cody on his little uh, media call said that this isn't going to be his last time in AEW. Well, Cody also said that he was looking at Chris Bay. Look how that turned out. Well, that was on the day the Chris Bay got taken away. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, like, Jeff Cobb being an honest-to-goodness freelancer who just pops up every so often as, like, to have cool matches and be a threat, I'm on board with that. Like, it does feel like this angle and, like, this match was designed to be like, hey, this is what you can expect if you stay here. 
and they protected him to an extent with the with the loss because it was uh, he hit the superplex. The oh, and he, and he got like seventy percent of the match. Yeah, he, he dominated Moxley, and they explained why he dominated Moxley. So all of this made sense. Like it didn't do Moxley any damage. It didn't do Cobb any damage. When pro wrestling is good and well executed, it's just like oh, it's so easy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, we've been hammering that point like home from literally the beginning of this podcast. It's just keep everything easy and just execute it well. Don't overthink it. Yeah, imagine which Moxie looked good, Cobb looked good, Darby looked great, and you ended up promoting three different pay-per-view matches. It's like, that's a very effective use of television time. Also, I feel like if, you, if Cobb does stay, he's immediately positioned as one of these kind of like top-tier guys mm. from the beginning. He's, He's on the pack and uh, Hangman Page level, I'd imagine. Yeah. i say that Pack's at the highest point at that level and Hangman's at the lowest and Cobb is, like, slided right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Pack, his opponent next week, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, defeated the Lucha Bros in what I think is the best Lucha Bros tag in AEW history. Mm, yeah, probably. And uh, A damn, damn good title match. Better than both of the SEU title matches. Better than the last... Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Lucha Bros match. Better than, I think, any of the... Maybe not... The, the ladder match runs the close. The Lucha Bros against the Young Bucks ladder match. Because that match is pretty wild. But, yeah, I like this match a lot. This match ruled. <laughs> yeah, you're, I, I, I saw I saw some big stars being thrown around by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first viewing of it, I was like, yeah, that was a good match. And then I, I watched it again just before this podcast. Because I saw that everyone was throwing, like, four and a half stars at this match. And I was like... Okay, yeah, it's good. It's it's a really good TV like tag match. You it's about, it's hating? Like, it's a bit, it's like four stars. It's like four stars. Why Come do you hate Kenny Omega? Why do you hate uh, Kenny Omega? Yes, me noted Kenny Omega hater. As I literally look at my desk and have a Kenny Omega trading card from 2014. Are you going to get yourself a new Kenny Omega action figure? I will be buying myself a new Kenny Omega action figure. Please send me one. Me or just AEW general? Anyone who wants to. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the Brandy Rhodes action figure. Uh, I want to talk about the action figures later, but we can wait till we get there. Yeah, the, this match, I love this match. This match is great. And, like, Phoenix is, like, established. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Phoenix rules. He is absolutely spectacular. And yet I am still, like, repeatedly surprised at how good Phoenix is. He still has that ability to wow me. It's like, I know you're great. I know you can do this. But when he, he does, like, a step-up hurricane round to the floor, I'm like, he's such a good wrestler. Yeah. And he's, and he's busting out new stuff every time. It's not like he's just setting his, like, moves that he does. <laughs> like his brother. <laughs> you know, yes, but he gets over on charisma. He doesn't get over on mm. moves. Um... Like, the, they did the attitude adjustment into the Hurricane Rana deal, and I was like, I don't think I've seen them do that. Uh, yeah, great match. Kenny and, and Paige uh, advanced to Revolution after a great match. They had a little little face down with the Young Bucks tension. Young Bucks came out after the match, and Paige was like, I want nothing to do with this. And Kenny was like, who do I go with? I'm so excited for this tag match. It's the best. Like it's, I think most of the matches on this pay-per-view were actually very well built. Uh, as opposed to Full Gear, where it felt a little, you know, slap, slapped this together. This feels like, Full Gear kind of felt like a B show, this feels like an A show. Hmm. And I've, I've, Kenny Omega talking points. Oh yes, I know, you, you, you prepared me for this and I was excited because if there's one thing I like talking about, it's Kenny Omega. 
the thing that people the, the problem people had with Kenny Omega in the first two three months of AEW they were like oh he's not a, he doesn't feel like a star he doesn't feel like he's the main why isn't he a champion why isn't he main eventer and I find it very interesting that all of that has gone away no one is still talking about how Kenny Omega doesn't feel like a star on Dynamite and I think people misidentified the problem the problem was not that Kenny Omega wasn't world champion. The problem was not that he was not in main events. It's that he didn't feel like he had a purpose. Even though he was in like the second biggest program on the show with Jon Moxley, in theory, on paper. He didn't feel like an integral part of the show. He didn't feel like he was doing something important. You know, every week he'd kind of come out, he'd have a match. It would be a good match, but he'd still just have a match. And he was there, and he was Kenny Omega, because he's freaking Kenny Omega. But... People saw that and it's like, he doesn't feel like Kenny Omega, what's wrong? And the reason he didn't feel like Kenny Omega because he was just doing stuff. He was just aimlessly kind of wandering, eventually having that match with Mox and then aimlessly wandering a little while longer. And like, he's no higher on the card now. Maybe even, a little, he is a champion obviously, but he's he maybe even a little lower than he was. Uh, like going into full gear, of course the Mox match ended up being the main event. It was in theory, in the build, the second biggest match in the show below Jericho and Cody. And everyone was like, oh, he do doesn't feel like Kenny. And that's gone away, even though he is probably lower on the card in a tag title feud. And it, the, the, the difference there is that it feels like he has purpose. He's doing something meaningful every week. He's tag champion. He's in an important story that's actually a good story that they're actually telling in a good fashion and having good tag team matches every week. And as I said, the entire complaint that Kenny Omega is, is not doing anything on the show has just disappeared. Well, that's because, like, like you said, he was very directionless while having this feud. It's like how I bring up that um, most of the AEW stars, they have two feuds running at the same time. It was Kenny had one feud running, and then the other time he was just teaming in random six-mans, or he was facing a mid-carder to have a good match on the show. And that does something, but it doesn't exactly portray him in this way of like, hey, look at this guy. It's more like, oh, he's here, and but he's not, he's not doing what it was that made him that made everybody fall in love with him like he's just a guy but like now he's a guy in a very in-depth story that everyone can attach to and he feels like he actually has the direction like i think we're all ready for this tag match and then eventually what spurns from that might be the hangman singles and then after that maybe the title but like that's what we have we have a clear vision for kenny now and we didn't for a long time so good job aw you sorted out kenny omega I don't. I don't think it was hard. It was just give the no. man some focus, <laughs> give him something to do that's meaningful. I saw someone propose that uh, it's not Paige that turns; it's the Young Bucks. And I was thinking about that. And I think like at the moment, it maybe not more popular, but Paige is like more or less people love Hangman Page. So I think if the Young Bucks turned on Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, I think they'd actually get some heat. I I don't see that happening because I'm still subscribing very much to the theory that the next big feud for them will be the Revival. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the Revival are going to be the baby faces in that. That makes sense. And I think the better direction... I, I don't think either Hangman or Kenny are going to be straight up heels. I just think it's going to be like, I want to prove myself kind of deal. Mm. Yeah. I So I don't think any, there's going to be like any big turn. I think Hangman's probably going to be pissed that... I would have Kenny... Lose the, I'd have had the, I would have Kenny be the one to lose the tag titles, and then that'd be the, what spurns the little next pay per view strung of feud. Because we did once again have the spot where Kenny held him for the buckshot lariat, and then their opponent moved, and Paige just cleaned his clock for like the fifth time. 
Well, you know, at the pay per view, they're gonna like do it, and then Hangman's actually gonna stop himself. Mm. And, and be like, oh, full circle. Then Kenny will hit him with a V trigger, and everyone will be like, no. Why, Kenny? I don't think. Can the Bucks be heels in AEW? That's what that's what the, the, I think. The, I don't remember who was tweeting about it, but that's the the problem they proposed. And it's like I, I think they could be if they turned in the right instance. And turning on Kenny and Page may be the right instance. Hmm. But then it's gonna be so weird with like, what's Cody gonna think? And it's like, does Cody even give a shit anymore? But Cody's back with Brandy. It's fine. Yeah, Brandy. I'm gonna stop coming out with Cody because I distract him. Uh, we have AW action figures. Speaking of Cody, Brandy, and the Elite, those are the people who got action figures. So Kenny, the Bucks, Cody, and his sledgehammer, and uh, Brandy all have action figures. Do you like the action figures, Liam? Uh, okay, they're a good. They're a very solid first run at figures. Mm-hmm. The faces are a bit iffy for uh, most people. That, I feel like most modern action figures, for some reason, the faces are. I feel like action figure facial scans have gotten actively worse over the last twenty years. Well, you are you are wrong. <laughs> As someone who is in the action figure purview, uh, no, they are not. They have gotten so much better. Mm. Uh, and uh, and the the bucks know. the bucks figures specifically, uh, they're very much before we got the real scan technology. <laughs> Where Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Whereas I think Cody's and Brandy are pretty decent. And I think Jericho is a very good one. The faces on the other ones are a bit iffy. I like the choice of people that they used. I think Brandy is the weakest one. And she will sell because people will want to get the full first collection as a collector's item. So, yeah. And then the real question will be, with WWE action figures, they have a certain like three or four people that they constantly re-release on every Elite like uh, line. Because they know that'll be the one that will sell. <laughs> and I'm very curious to see who that's going to be. It's Jericho, isn't it? Well, it's going to be Jericho, but like, is it also going to be like Omega? It's like, because it's going to have to be which person has a distinct enough new attire to like release again. That's not Jericho. Though you could do Painmaker Jericho. I think they will do Painmaker Jericho eventually. And yeah, like Jericho is probably the person who's going to sell the most action figures, I'd imagine. I think Kenny's going to do very well. Yeah, I think well, they're all going to do very well because like the, the as you said, I think all the completists will buy the brandy one. But and people who like brandy, there are people who like brandy will buy a brandy Rhodes action figure. But yeah, the the other five action figures are the five biggest stars in the company. So of course, like people are going to buy the hell out of those. I I I I'm pretty confident in the sales of the Omega and the Cody one because there are so many Cody and Omega customs. 
And like, yeah, people are going to buy the hell out of the official AEW Young Bucks action figures as well. Yeah, like, it's going to be fine. I think anyone who is like, oh, they did this a bit early, I don't think that's a warranted complaint. No, they, did, they, they could have released action figures before they had a television deal. It's the Young Bucks. Like, the, there the would have been an action figure thing. company. Yeah, they're, they're a t-shirt company. They're a merch company. They're going to sell merch. You're fine. These are going to do very, very well. And I will probably buy them because I'm a dumb collector who likes to collect things. You big dopey nerd and your Kenny Omega action figures. I'll probably get every Kenny Omega action figure. Just because now that's a thing that I can do. And mm. like 13 year old Liam would be very upset with the 22 year old Liam if I didn't. <laughs> well, the 13 year old Liam was like, give me Kenny action figures. Oh, the 13 year old Liam was, give me any Kenny merch ever. Hence why <laughs> I have a card. Speaking of Kenny, he faces a pack next week in a 30 minute Iron Man match, which. Should be a real big Kenny Omega match. Poor Kenny, man. Like, in the tag match, he was getting the shit kicked out of him. And now he has to do a 30-minute Iron Man match. Before then doing a Young Bucks match, pay-per-view match later that week. Like, that man's that man's getting messed up. It's a match a week, though. So he is, like, fair enough, he has two next week. But other than that, it's a week downtime after he has a big match. I suppose I can't really say that when it's, like, Cody. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, this man has done G1s, Liam. Do you think he can't have one big match a week? You know what, you bring a valid point. Cody defeated Wardlow in our main event inside a, a big-ass steel cage. Their steel cage is gigantic. Their cage rules, and it will sell a lot of copies when they make it into an action figure set. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's it's huge. It's just, like, it's just not even, like, in just, like, feet. In, like, bulk. It's a bulky cage. It's like hell in a cell height. <laughs> And even it's it's like the, it it drops next to the ring rather than like the WWE kind of on top of the sides. So I there's like this that like they weird room around the side. They, sorry, I'm just saying I like that they differentiate it from the WWE cage. I feel like there's someone someone's going to lose an ankle in the like, like gap between the cage and the ring apron someday though. I mean, you got to remember though that the AEW ring has that little extra ledge on the ring anyway, mm. so it probably evens out more than you think mm. it would. It did lead to a very good spot in this match where Wardlow hung him on the apron and then literally just grabbed the cage, the entire side of the cage, and pulled it against Cody's face. It was very enjoyable. You know what I thought about when watching this Wardlow match? What did you the think Ward about? The Dog, Mr. Mayhem himself. Um, they don't need to hire Brian Cage. Mm, I wouldn't they go that far. They have younger Brian Cage who can be Brian Cage in like five years and who's still uh, mobile. I don't know. I don't know. I think he, he. I think he did perfectly well in this match, but I wouldn't use this match. A, a a a smoke and mirrors, blood. Yeah, but like, I don't think Brian Cage is very good. <laughs> He's better than Wardlow. <laughs> yeah, but like Wardlow again is very young. I assume. I don't actually know. And but Brian Cage is currently he has a torn bicep, so he he'll he won't be coming in for probably five months minimum. Yeah, and then he'll do like three matches and tear it again. Wardlow's 32, by the way. Yeah, young as shit. <laughs> by WWE <laughs> standards. Everybody, what age is Brian Cage? Brian Cage is a little older, and he's 36. All right. Yeah, bro, he's heaps younger. He's got four years to be Brian Cage. <laughs> and he's got cool, like, MJF like logos on his thing. Like, it's all cool, man. You don't need Brian Cage. I feel like you're walking back this Wardlow's <laughs> Brian Cage thing increasingly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very firmly in the camp of you don't need to sign Brian Cage, but it's less to do with Wardlow. <laughs> but, like, Wardlow's a six-year pro as well, so... It's not, like, it's not like he's a rookie, you know? He's young. He's young. He's a young upstart like that Alistair Black on Raw. 
Yeah, it's all fine. But yes, this was a, 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 exactly what it should have been. It wasn't like an all-time great cage match, but Co Cody bled buckets, Wardlow looked strong, then Cody hit him with a crossroads, he kicked out, hit him with a, a moonsault off the damn cage. Again, a very big cage. <laughs> I screamed. He didn't it's even so look. Dull. <laughs> he no, he didn't. Look. He had complete trust in Wardlow. <laughs> yeah, that's a six-year pro, goddamn. Yeah, and at first, Wardlow caught him, and Cody Cody beat him with a moonsault off the cage. And as said, <laughs> this, this episode of television, in which, like, Battle Royal, as good as it probably could have been. Shane and Statlander, solid match. Nyla Rose promo, absolutely tremendous. John Moxley against Jeff Cobb, great match. Post-match, phenomenal. Darby Allen superstar. Omega and Page against the Lucha Bros, fantastic tag team match. Main event cage match, perfect. Execution, moonsault off cage. This, like, pretty much everything on this TV show was, like, home run, perfect. This is what you want it to be. This is what AEW should be. This is what pro wrestling television should be like. Post-show, good promo. So... Literally every base was covered during this. Oh, yeah, the Cody promo, which they posted on Twitter now, so you can watch it in full. And if you watch all the way through, you can hear Excalibur and Taz singing along to Cody's entrance music, making up the lyrics, and also then praising the cage and the tag team, uh, tag team title match. But, yeah, Cody cuts this big promo about how much Atlanta means to him and how they treated Dusty and how hey, if someone said to him, you jumping off that cage tonight. And he's like, you're damn right, I'm in Atlanta, I'm jumping off that cage tonight. And Cody is the ace. Like, I don't give a shit about their dopey-ass stipulation. He should win the AEW title someday. I don't care how they get there, once they get there in a way that makes sense. And they can do, like, seven million ways to get there. But if Cody doesn't win the AEW title someday, it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. He'll get it. Like, it's pro wrestling. And, like, people are going to be, like, have this fake outrage about it, too. And they're going to pretend that they care. And it's like, shut up. It's wrestling. Stipulations get walked back on all the time. I mean, I don't think... I think I'd roll my eyes. <laughs> I want it to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm like, if it happened, I'm like, yes, that's that should happen. It's like, it's, like, it's pro wrestling. Like, nothing actually means anything. <laughs> it's not a real stipulation. <laughs> Ideally, you want it to, to mean at least enough that people treat it... Like, you don't want to make your stipulations mean nothing. You know, if you walk it back too fast, too quickly... Um, yeah, I'm saying cheap. do it, like, in a year or two years. I'm not saying do it next month after he beats MJF. Yeah, because that's the WWE problem, where you make a stipulation, then you immediately undermine it. Whereas, like, if... Yeah, he lost the he lost the, the Jericho. If he goes two years without winning the belt, or three years, he could probably go three years without winning the belt. And then eventually does, and you have that big ace journey where he gets that big comeback and eventually beats... Uh, Marty Skrull in five years' time for the so, eight of yeah, when he beats Darby. <laughs> yes, when he beats Big Darbs, who he 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 had that big draw with, and we'll we'll throw back to previously on AEW four years ago when when Darby broke out having that draw against Cody, and now can Cody take him down? And then yeah, Cody will be perfectly poised to win the title, and everything will be fine. This is such a good episode of television. This is like everything on this show. I'm just like yes. I know why this exists, it builds towards something, and it by itself is very good. Why can't all wrestling be like that? Well, let's talk about some wrestling that wasn't like that. Can we not? Like, this wasn't a bad episode of NXT. Like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, everything is terrible. But like, the, the, what do I have to say about the grizzled young veterans against Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza? <laughs> that it existed. And that we're going to get a really cool Grizzled Young Vets versus Forgotten Sons feud. 
Sure. All right. Uh, we opened with one of three promos where someone just came out and was interrupted. Um, <laughs> I know. I did like make note of that as I was like, wait a minute, have I seen this before? Even like that, there is. We'll get into it. But the yeah, undisputed era came out. Dream interrupted. That's our main event. Like again, I I hate these promos because none of these people are ever here to say anything. It's like yeah. they come out, blah 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 blah, interrupt. Little more, blah 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 blah. Main event. It's like just just don't even do it. Just announce that the even like the match has already been announced. They don't need to do it. This is like every raw where it's like first 10 minutes of the show have to be a t- in the ring promo mm. and it's just it's boring man like uh, AEW started with like people running into the ring to fight uh, it was a reverse battle royal it's stealing TNA ideas again well who won the um PNP won because they were the last ones in oh wait no they were the, it's the first ones who did win uh, I don't know they all Let's go back a lot and of people got that ring at the same time I did I posted the gif on Twitter I should probably just look at it I, I, not enough people liked that joke. I thought that was a good joke. I mean, that's what I thought about when I was watching it. It was a reverse battle because they all ran into the Even though in the TNA rules, you did have to go over the top rope. And then suddenly everybody forgot how to <laughs> climb into a wrestling ring. It was the stupidest thing in the history of humanity. Anyway, but, back to the show we're reviewing. Um, how is Roddy the heel? <laughs> he, uh, did you see Velveteen Dream's tweets this week? What is this pervert talking about? Why is he creeping on this child? Like, it's <laughs> so weird, man. Arrest him! Arrested this man! Why is he a babyface? Yeah, why? And like, even the I think that the problem with the main event because the main event was very boring and it was quiet for a lot of it too. I think the crowd was like, "Who are we supposed to side with here?" Yeah, this family man who loves his child and the weirdo who's putting his wife's face like Rick Rude was the heel, you know? Yeah, that's he was all the I was bad thinking guy. About. It was like. Why is the bad guy like positioned as the good guy? And when Scott Steiner ripped off, was was the first person to rip off that Rick Rude idea. He was the heel putting Bobby Lashley's wife on his crotch. Yeah, like it's not a babyface thing to do to objectify another man's wife. And like creepily stalk and post pictures of his child on the internet. Like who's gonna see that and be like, I will support this man? I don't know. Jordan Devlin versus Leo Rush was a match that wasn't as good as any of the other Leo Rush matches because it didn't have any of the heart or the soul. Heart and soul, like that Cedric Alexander and Ali WrestleMania match, yeah. Well, also Johnny Gargano. That's also his that's thing. Tr- that's true. It's a lot of heart and soul going on. But yeah, they came out after the promo. They did like a minute and they're like, we're going to break. And they came back from break and the entirety of that first segment of the match was just Devlin methodically working over Leo Rush, doing nothing, and then they went to break again and came back, and we got like an okay final stretch of the match then. But I, I this is like the second or third time they've laid out NXT like that, where you have the opening promo, the interruption, the setup main event, the opening minute of the match, break, nothing happens for the first portion of the match, break, and then a solid match at the end of it. And it's like, don't structure your shows like that. <laughs> it's like, we got ten minutes of talking before... We even got the bell to ring. Then they wrestled for like 30 seconds and like, oh, we go on a break. Yeah, Dynamite opened with an entire Battle Royal this week. Impact opened with a 15-minute TJP and Joss Alexander match this week. You can open wrestling shows with really good wrestling matches. It's allowed. People like wrestling on wrestling shows generally. Hey, Uh, (laughs) Garrett, I got a little fun fact for you. 
Is it about Jordan Devlin being very yeah, boring on NXT? It's about Jordan Devlin. Did you know he was trained in the Japanese dojos? Ah, uh, that's just one of those stupid ass things that Mauro says that you're just like it's up. To, it's a very easily fact check. He like he worked a couple zero one tours in like 2012, and that's he hasn't wrestled in Japan in eight years. But he's one, and like it's just like why are you even saying that? It's not true. Why are you like why? Also, Leo Rush is Sonic. That was the other one I got. Uh, no wonder he likes the character Sonic the Hedgehog. He's looking to drop the Sonic boom, just like the movie. Liam, there is a Sonic video game called Sonic Rush. It was right there for him. Isn't there a Sonic boom? <laughs> there is. There's a Sonic boom television show, and then there's Sonic boom Rise of Lyric on Wii U, which is a notoriously terrible game, and also 3DS remakes of that, which are actually kind of fine. They're yeah, but you hate old scrolls. Sonic. You just hate Sonic. Hey, Garrett, you saw the Sonic movie. I don't like it. It's not particularly good. I was going to say, give me a 20-word review. Go. It's a very broad, mediocre film with a cute-looking central character and lots of Jim Carrey. You got three more words. Sort of good, bad. <laughs> sort of good, bad. Yeah. I think that's an accurate description. I haven't seen it, and I won't see it because eh. Detective Pikachu is the better super. Like Detective Pikachu has the same like broad nonsense plot that's just stupid and ridiculous, but it has like the Ryan Reynolds jokes and the really cool world building as well. And also, it's a better property. Yeah, that's true too. Whereas this is just a really, really like tooth. Like this, Sonic opens unironically with Sonic freeze framing being attacked by Dr. Robotnik's like I'm sure you'd like to know how I got here I got here. myself it's like, in this situation and then later in the film it's like and now we've caught up I want to see how it ends it's like that's such a 1994 shtick to do and if somebody does that in 2020 it's usually mocking it yeah that's what I was saying it's, it doesn't even sound like it was shtick to mock it it just sounds like they were doing it legitimately yeah, it, it it's just the, the that was their 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 premise. That was their setup, and it's like, no. Can you confirm or deny if Sonic flosses twice in the movie? I think he does. Yeah, Ugh. at least once. I heard that he did it twice. Like that's that's what this it's pop culture references and Sonic being like, give me a good Uber review. It's like, <sighs> I heard that um, the greatest point of the movie was there was literally a point where a crazy man drew the Sonic logo. <laughs> he does. Yes. That sounds like legitimately the only funny bit of this movie. And it's it's the most Jim Carrey Jim Carrey has been in a good 20 years. There's a lot of Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey in this film, which is, your mileage may vary, but it's pretty good. All that Jim Carrey. Oh, Leo Rush. Ah, 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 I came to collect. I like that the crowd sings his song. <laughs> Leo Rush is much better than Jordan Devlin. Yeah. Leo, Leo Rush was, like, my favourite guy on NXT last year. Now he's having mediocre pants. As I said, that structure where they go to break, which is frustrating enough, but then when they come back from break, Devlin, like, just does the... He just... Nothing happens. And it's like... And then they go to another break, and I'm like, I don't care about this wrestling match anymore. Who cares? Of course, Leo Rush starts going in, trying to hit all these moves, misses, and then Devlin hits the Devlin side mm. to win. Alright, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are backstage. Why is uh, NXT Bell talking? Excuse me? Uh, Ra- Raquel, I- I've now coined her as NXT Mel. Oh, yes, I actually made that exact... Did I, I think I messaged you that during it. Did you? I think I said, like, okay, go, you talk, I will find my good meme. 
Yeah, I'm like, Raquel, why is she talking? She's just the big person there to look mean. It's just the WWE thing where everyone has to talk. It's like, no, she just has to stand behind Dakota Kai and look angry. Don't, and her promo was not very good at all. It was, it was wooden as hell. Wooden as Mel, some might wooden say. Wooden as Mel. <laughs> God, we talk too much. And yeah, Dakota Kai will face Tegan Knox in a steel cage match. When we got that idea in two weeks' time, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, am I fine with this feud continuing? I liked the uh, the Takeover match a lot. Oh yeah, Takeover happened. Did you watch Takeover? We probably should probably take off with Takeover. Last time we did a Takeover, we did the Takeover review at the end of NXT. So I assume we're doing the same this time. All right, we'll motor through it at the end. Yeah, Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in two. I'll weeks find my mail quote for then. <laughs> Yes, uh, Rhea Ripley is like, Charlotte, I'll fight you, that's fine. Uh, Austin Theory comes out, he's about to wrestle a match when Tommaso Ciampa just walks out. He's like, get out of my way, starts talking, Goldie, something, something, Gargano, whatever. Then Austin Theory interrupts him, he drops him, finishes his promo, walks out, Austin Theory tries to attack him again, and then he gets his ass kicked again. Poor Austin Theory, uh, but Ciampa and Gargano is your takeover match, probably, WrestleMania weekend. Yay. You seem very enthusiastic about the renewal of the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano rivalry, Liam. Most of their matches sucked. I want to yeah. see it again. Although I do like Gargano more as a heel. They did a, like a sort of variation on this theme three times on this show, by the way. Yeah. Where, where it's like they had the nerd out there and then the star beat him up. And they did the same thing with Keith Lee and Kona Reeves. And they did a, a variation of it with Bianca Belair during the Chelsea Green Caden Carter match. Where it's like the stars are just interrupting the nerds and uh, maybe or maybe not beating them up. It's like, when NXT gets one idea into their head, it's like the whole show becomes it. It's, you know the thing about... I'm going back to this chat again if you because I'm angry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at best... Uh, sorry, at worst, like, Gargano's completely, like, correct in his act. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. at worst, like, he's petty. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he seemed to have let it go and then brought it back. It's like, how is this guy the bad guy? <laughs> Chapa, mm-hmm. like, tried to murder him <laughs> yeah. multiple times. And his wife! He should be, he should, they've forgiven it, they've put it behind him, Liam, it's, it's, it's very immature of him to spitefully bring it back up again. at worst, he is petty. (laughs) Yeah. NXT has problems with people being bad guys and good guys these days, don't they? NXT has problems. Uh, They really do. Speaking of Grizzled, grizzled, grizzled. A team, I was like, ooh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. Wrestlers, I, oh no, they're jobbing to the Crystal <laughs> Young Veterans. I'm every act- time every time they put DJZ on this show, Liam, I'm like, oh, it's that wrestler I like. And then he does nothing and I'm very upset. Yeah, I, guess, I was, whenever I see him, I get sad that he signed. Um, I'm excited that the Crystal Young Veterans are continuing to work NXT because NXT needs tag teams. They really do. Even though one of the, didn't they wrestle the Broserweights as part of the thing? Uh, yeah, they lost to them. So even then, their first match isn't going to be a fresh match. So the- <laughs> well, no, their first feud is with the Forgotten Sons, Gary. Oh, yes. Sorry, I forgot about that. The important, the very important things happening here. I, di- I don't watch 25 Live. I'm not sure it still exists. But apparently, Wilde and Mendoza were inspired by the Broserweights as they were, te- they were feuding to team up on here. So I thought that was a nice little touch. But they're both nerds because they lost. But still, it was a nice little touch as to why they were teaming. But I also liked that they were like, they face next week. And they're also facing this week on 205 Live. It's like, alright. 205, still alive. 
Mm. Gives a good Allegedly. promo match. Bloody yeah, um, yeah, it's like his regular promo. You people are stupid idiots, shtick. Damn the Yanks. The brotherweights come out, and Pete's like, yo, where's our golf cart? The, the other one. The Riddle's like, yo, where's our golf cart? And Pete's like, I don't know, you lost it. And it's like, ah! Was that a, was that a dude, where's my car reference in 2020? I hope so. Though I did like the fact that the Dusty Cup got got flagged for wellness. That was a real good line. It was, it was better than good. the next 10 minutes of the show. It's like, yeah, that's... Like, I, I was like, am I going to tire of their shtick? But, like, that's an actually good joke. So, like, yeah, I'm on board. It's almost like Matt Riddle's just a charismatic, funny guy. Uh, oh, yeah, and this, once again, was the second promo on the show where someone was cutting a promo just to be interrupted by the Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan where they had a perfectly fine, forgettable tag team match. Thanks for re-signing, Arnie. Mm-hmm. Wasn't this Oni's first match on NXT since he resigned? I think so. He's been on 205 Live. Again, fake show. Yeah, Broseweights win. Birch and Oni Lorcan continue to be jobbers to the stars. Forgotten Sons are upset about Grizzly Young Vets. Yay. I don't think that'll be a feud. I think they'll just have one match next week and it'll never be... I like how the Forgotten Sons got angry over stolen Valor. They're like, you know, nothing about being vets. We're vets. Yeah. They're the true vet. Gunner is the true vet. He suffered through Immortal in TNA. He deserves his chance. I love Gunner. I don't love him in NXT, but I love the idea of Gunner. Keith Lee comes out to uh, about to cut a promo on what happens, Liam. He's interrupted. At least he didn't even bother. He didn't even get a word out before he was interrupted. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Keith Lee squashes Kona Reeves in ten seconds. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this next match. Oh, wait, we don't have to yet. <laughs> We have nice. the post-match, Liam, which is is the thing I don't even want to talk about. No. Why do we Dai have Jin- to do this match again? It's gonna be like a, it's gonna be a thirty-minute Iron Man match. They're just gonna copy AEW things now. Dijakovic comes out and he's like, he's not ready to move on, and came up with a bunch of excuses. And Keith Lee Valor rightfully pointed out those were a bunch of excuses. But then Lee's like, I'll fight you again because we'll fight forever if William Regal lets us. It's, Sorry, Mister Regal. It's gonna be an Iron Man match. Yep. They're going to do a steel cage, and then the week after, they're going to do an Iron Man match. <laughs> I do not want to see Dijakovic and Lee wrestle ever again, or at least have the same match. <laughs> As I was going to say, which, like, I actually think that on TakeOver, they had my favourite match. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> uh, I don't need to see it again. I want Lee to move on to somebody else. If I hadn't seen that exact same match like 70 times, I'd be like, like, if that was the first time I saw that Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic match, I'd probably like say it's like a four and three quarter star best match I've ever seen. But it's like the seventh time I've seen them do that match and like diminishing returns, guys, you got to do something different. Like, I remember really being blown away by that match in Beyond the first time I saw it. (laughs) Yeah, the first time you see those two wrestle, it's like, holy shit, this is insane. And then you see them again, and it's like, oh, this is still pretty good. And then you see it for the, like, seventh time, it's like, all right, guys, I get it. It's still, like, in theory, it's still good, but I've seen you do this, like, 15 times in, like, 17 different companies. And uh, four, uh, five times? TakeOver's the fifth time, I think, in NXT. So it's like, it's not like it's even fresh in NXT, it's overexposed in NXT as well. So Like, if this were TW 2016... It would be suffering from the the feature where if you repeat book something too many times in the span of like a month, it will suffer. And that's what's happening in real life. The crowd are sick of your shit. Yeah. And then we get the relaunch. The relaunch of the Robert Stone brand. 
Yes, Robert Stone, who has not wrestled, by the way. I, I was looking at his cage match. It's like, I know he's managing. He's managing people. But, like, has he had any matches in NXT? It's like, no. He's been there for a year, and he has not wrestled a match. Which He's he's been a manager from the start. Mm. I think, to be it's, fair, I don't know if you'll want Robert Stone wrestling. I always thought Robbie was an underrated wrestler. He's not, like, a guy who'll set the world on fire, but as, like, an, a lower-card heel who I think usually gets over your baby faces because he's a good bumper and a good feeder and a good seller. How old is I he? I think he, he did a good job. He's, like, 35 at this stage. It's, oh, he's so he's like, a young man. Oh, no, he's, like, a youngster for at WWE standards. Yes, he's, he's Keith Lee age. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, that hot up-and-coming thing. He's 36. So, yeah, he's been around, he's been around the block a few times. And then we got, um... Hayden Carter and Chelsea Green, and they yeah, the big are relaunch. pretty cool. <laughs> Had a perfectly forgettable match, but then we got the, then we got the real star. The real star came out literally in the middle of their match. It's got in the ring, cut a promo, and neither like they both just stood there. God, well, she, what nerds to just stand there. She Kanye Wested them, literally yeah. word for word. So yeah, she will be. She challenged Charlotte basically. So her her problems with Charlotte are not done. I really and, hope she pins Charlotte and they do a three way at Mania. You see, I I I no, I hate three ways. I really see, hate three ways. I yeah, true, but like, I like Bianca more, and I think she is more potential. Yeah, but then she should have won. Yeah, well, clearly they had they clearly had an idea in their head, and I guess we can applaud them for once sticking to the idea in their head. And in fairness, it's not a bad idea. Rhea Ripley against Charlotte is not, on paper, a bad idea. It's just they accidentally injected Bianca Belair in there and got her over. It's like the typical WWE booking where the good thing happens by accident and then they can't really do anything about it. Garrett, is Charlotte going to be NXT Women's Champion? I was thinking about that, where, like, Rhea shouldn't lose, really. Like, that wouldn't really help But, like, Charlotte losing at WrestleMania to Rhea? Yeah, that's that's the that's the counterpoint in my head. It's like, ooh, that's not gonna happen, is it? Well, it's like I, what I can see is like either this is just them fully establishing that NXT is the third brand, and like mm-hmm. main roster stars will start being on the show, or she's gonna pull a Medusa and like trash the title the next night and vacate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she does that. That would be funny. And then they'll do like the May Young Classic, and then they'll have a new champ. I've booked it. Book it. Oh, I don't. I just realized what the next match is. <laughs> well, we first we have next week we have Austin Theory against the Master Champ, which I assume we're very cares? excited for after he got his ass kicked Who and Finn Balor. Gives a shit? Fine then. Do you tell me all about Velveteen Dream against Roderick Strong? This match sucked and it was boring and no one cared. It really was a very boring. Like Dream is Dream ain't it? People think he's it. He's not. He's it's like, like we've been on this. Like it's not like we're flip flopping here. From the minute, like, we started this, we're like, eh, Dream ain't that, yeah, and all that. I've been like that for three years. I've been like, Dream is is a charismatic guy who apparently has very bad instincts about how to be a babyface. And and a bad Twitter. He's a, he's, yeah, he's a mediocre wrestler who's occasionally I, I think carryable. He can, I think he can be bad. Like, he can be either bad or he can be carryable. Like, he has yeah. so much variance. That's the problem. Like, there's, there's a, like, three or four periods in this match where it's just like... They went to do something, and they were just in, on entirely different pages. And you're in there with Roderick Strong. He was like, if, if Roddy can't carry it, nobody can. Roderick Strong, top five wrestler of the decade. And, you're, and you can't get on the same page. Yeah, I, like, I've always been on the side of Dream is very green, he's very mediocre, but he's been carried by great wrestlers. 
and I think that increasingly shows itself to be true. It's like I've hated all of his like main takeover matches, barring maybe Tyler Breeze because that was just mm. a mid card thing. Well, the Al- the Alistair Black one is the one people point to, isn't it? Yeah, that was all right. I I hated the Ricochet match. I hated the Hero match. Like, ugh. blah blah blah, indeed. Very boring wrestling match. A very boring main event to t- uh, top off a. And he ripped his pants off and he had a fear on it. And ha, ah, Roderick Strong, you're a cuck because you can't convince your wife to have the same last name even though your last name isn't strong. That doesn't make any sense. <sighs> yeah. Cuck you. Then, yeah, Undisputed came out. He wiped him out. Then Strong hit his move, kicked it out, hit him with the Death Rally driver, which is a pretty lame finish. I did like <laughs> um, the one thing I'll give this thing credit with is right. that they played off the Bronson Reed finish with the knee. Mm. That was that was good match to match storytelling, Roddy. There we go. That's WWE NXT. I'm feeling strong. Oh, let's get to Takeover NXT. All right. So we'll, we'll motor through Takeover. Do you have any broad Takeover thoughts? Um, I thought it was a real good show, and then it fell off a cliff. Yeah, I also thought it was a really good show, and then the main event was absolutely abysmal. Do you want to go through stars? Do you want to be a star podcast now? We're at the end, why not? Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, I was three and a half stars. I cannot objectively go lower than that, but also, I don't care anymore! I went three and three quarters, and that was my match of the night. Actually, I might take that back, now that I'm thinking about it, but it was number two. Alright, Dakota Kai defeated Tegan Knox in a street fight in what I thought was a damn good match until a shitty-ass finish. Also, three and a half stars. I went three and a quarter. I really liked it. I liked that they had some diverse weapons and it wasn't just WWE, I have a kendo stick, I have a chair. There was a little of Tegan Tegan Knox looking at her hands being like, why am Mm. I so violent? And it's like, She hit a really good Shining Wizard though. And I think Mm. Tegan's Shining Wizard's a very hit or miss, literally. But this one was good. But she calls it the shiniest wizard, so it should it's always like be the grimiest wizard. Way well, hey, got her. Finn Balor defeated Johnny Gargano four and a quarter star match. I liked this match a lot. I thought it was Finn's best match in a very long time. I went into this match thinking I was gonna think it was gonna be lame and stupid, and I ended up liking it, and I gave it three and a half. There you go. Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, flat three. I thought it was fine. I went into this match thinking I wasn't gonna like this match, and then I liked it. Three and a half. There you go. Uh, Broserweights, uh, the Undisputed Era. Again, three and a half stars. I thought uh, this was the style. Got to, if the, Again, if this match happened three years ago, I'd probably think it was the match of the decade. But NXT <laughs> beat me into the ground, so three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, this was my match of the night in that I like... like I have, I'm have a real sucker for NXT TakeOver Tag Titles matches. Like, mm-hmm. they, It's very hard for me to go less than a four on them. It's like, I like it. It's fun. It's fun stuff. It went maybe a little too long. Uh, but eh, three and three quarters you see my problem with these matches is always pacing it's always like they they start and then they get to 100 they stay at 100 for 10 minutes and i'm and like oh no, you go you peak you peak yeah <laughs> i think that was the problem with the whole show like i didn't need i'm so used to these two hour uh, takeovers and then i looked at it and it was three hours and i was like ugh and like there's other days I've, I've, I've seen multiple people express that like everyone knew this would be a good wrestling show you know? Yeah. Well, that's the but, thing. That's that's what TakeOver is. It's like, that's what the flagship says, the safest bet in wrestling. 
But at the same time, it's the show you have to, like, psych yourself up to want to watch because you know it's just going to be that relentless style that just doesn't give you, like, a... that's the reason I liked Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano a lot because they built, they peaked. And, then, like, you might say, oh, 27 minutes, it started slow. But wrestling, it's fine. If wrestling matches start slow and build to a crescendo, that's what they should do. That's called good pacing. Yeah, Hideki Suzuki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima was good. I have no stance on it. I'll probably you would, never you would, it. You would hate it. You would not like <laughs> it at all. Um, I do hate aimless grappling. You do. You're not a fan of it. I had a point and then I forgot about it because we kept talking. So Broserweights, uh, Kyle and Bobby. Uh, Bobby Fish looks very old. He's embraced his, his grayness, which oh, I, I admire that dude is That man is daddy levels now. Mm, he's just like, he's given up on dyeing the hair. It's like, all oh, power to you. Oh, that dude is going to be so screwed when Undisputed Era breaks up. He's forty three. There's he should he when like he shouldn't re- realistically when they break up he should just become a coach down in the performance center, shouldn't he? Or get fired and go to Ring of Honor. Sure, he could do that too. Then Adam Cole defeated Tommaso Ciampa to retain the NXT Championship in a match. I'm going to formally give a dud to. I give it a gentleman's three. <laughs> Like, the first 20 minutes of this match was great, and then they kept going, and they kept doing shit, and, like, they did a Canadian destroyer on the floor, and Tommaso Ciampa was back up, literally within two seconds, and I'm like, who even cares? What's even was, the point of any of this, then? It was just so, like, many moves, you know? And, like, I'm not a guy who hates moves, but, like, I, know, I, I, like... Need, I need some substance with the moves, too. Like, Cole and Riddle was moves, but it had, like, emotion and feeling. I have such a low bar for selling. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, if you work the leg, you have to work it into the finish, otherwise it's a bad match. And I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, yeah, you have to sell every big move like it's a death blow. It's like, no, just at least, if you're going to do a Canadian Destroyer on the floor, make it mean something. Like, if you if he just gets up, why did you do it? <laughs> yeah. I would just, I do want to quickly mention that I, I found my message to you at Monday at 6.13pm where I said, Kai's new heavy is just inferior Mel. Mm. And uh, so now you... we get a Gargano champ if you heard. Yeah, and Cole will probably face... Finn. Finn. I think... I, heal, I, I heard a couple ideas being thrown around. And one of the ones mm-hmm. I heard was that uh, Finn, Cole, and Gargano Champa, and then the winners have an NXT title match at Mania. Mm-hmm. And I also heard four-way. You know what I think they might do? Hmm. Dream runs through UE and it's Dream and Cole. <sighs> the enthusiasm is running through the... <laughs> that sounds genuinely awful. Yeah, I can see them doing it. Well, we'll see what happens. But you know what does happen sooner in nine days? Revolution? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll preview that next week. Leah, match of the week. Um, no, it's the, it's the AEW tag match. By an absolute country mile. And Liam, show of the week. Uh, uh, you know what's funny? <laughs> With match of the day. Um, I don't necessarily have to pick one of them. I'm going to write on my Twitter after I watch Shingo versus Ishii and I'll determine which one is the true match of the day. That's This is not the, the Wednesday War Games with New Japan. It should be. <laughs> Imagine if we had to, like, any time there was another show on the day, we had to throw that one in as well. Mm. Anyway, AEW wins. Yeah, the, I think this is the biggest gap between the shows and the history of the shows. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I'm, very obviously. NXT uh, just has no direction. It just feels so hollow. It just feels like main roster. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's the most obvious that it's felt like that in a while. 
and yeah, NXT used to be good. <laughs> what happened? Why did it become like? And I know what happened. That like they called up everybody, and it was fine. That you know, when Balor ran his course, he could be called up, and when Rollins ran his course, he could be called up, and all these people, uh, when they ran their course, and and with uh, uh, they'd be called up, and you didn't have to think of what do we do with them next. And now they do. They have to be like, what do we do with Champa? What do we do with Gargano? What do we do with Cole? What like, do we do with Finn? <laughs> Yeah, what do we do with Finn? These are our big stars in the brand. They have to be doing something. And then it's just like the treadmill has stopped. Now it's just the same people on top of the card and no one moving up. And the only person that might be moving up is Dream. And that's not very encouraging at all. That's like... And if all that... I think like the problem is too, if all it is is just people moving up, it makes NXT look awful. Mm. <laughs> like It's like this is the place where they... I mean, it's not developmental, but it's still developmental. And eventually they'll move yeah. up to the real shows. And that's that's not the image you want. The show's better off when it's like that, though. Yeah. Bring Alistair Black back down. Bring loads of people back down. Bring Sammy back down. The fan behold, by the way, 81% AEW, 19% NXT. So. I thought it was going to be 100%. <laughs> I, I was like, I, it's unfathomable to, for me to like think of anyone who would think that NXT was better. So it must just be their core 45-year-old people who voted that way. Uh, 52 year old people Thank you sorry much, Liam. I, I don't see age <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at Garrett Kidney you can follow Liam on twitter at Larrikin you can follow the podcast on twitter at Warrior Squad and vote in the poll or see where we viral have banger polls. tweets <laughs> Yeah, look at that 63 retweets 454 likes for Maro quotes thank you Maro you're so good to us yep sure keep doing it keep making sonic boom memes if you would like more All Elite Wrestling coverage in your podcast feed, you can check out Everything Elite or check out Shake Them Ropes for more wrestling television show coverage, including WWE. Thank you for listening and bye bye. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.